0: At this time of year, we often think of the blessing of family and friends. We must never forget, however, that the greatest blessing of Christmas is Christ Himself. Today we look with Scott Pauley at the eternal blessings found in the Word of God. In the days following the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there were some very significant things that took place. We've just come through the Christmas season. What a sweet, precious time it is. And yet, I want to challenge you not to miss the messages uh, that follow the immediate birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And we'll find in the following verses that this is some days after the birth of Christ, because when they find him, he's no longer in a manger, in a stable. He's in a house. And he's no longer even considered here uh, an infant or a brand newborn child, but rather he's referred to as a young child. And so some time has elapsed. I want to talk to you today about Christian worship. There's a lot of talk about worship in this world, and I wonder sometimes if people even know what they're talking about, what the word means, what the context is. Did you hear the word that the wise men said? They said, we are come to worship Him. Worship is always Godward. It's not about me feeling better, having an experience, having an emotion. It's not about me making somebody else get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Worship is always to Christ. It is always Godward. And by the way, wise men do worship. Those who understand something spiritually about the Lord, they worship God. And uh, there was a group of them, no doubt, and worship can be conducted corporately, but it must always be offered individually. Worship is not a group sport. Worship is the individual heart attitude toward God. Uh, Every year at the beginning of a new year, I choose a word for the year, a Bible word, and try to make that my word to meditate on, to study in Scripture, and to apply. A couple of years ago, I chose the word worship, thinking, uh, well, maybe I can learn some additional things about worship. I discovered I knew next to nothing about true worship. When I started studying worship in the Bible, it revealed to me how little true worshiping I had done And uh, let me give you just a few simple thoughts, all from Matthew chapter 2, about Christian worship as we see it displayed here in the story of the wise men. Uh, There are three kinds of worship I see. First of all, there's sincere worship. That was the worship they came to offer. Uh, They were humble men. Uh, they They were honorable men. They were men of means, but they came humbly. It was not about them. They worshiped the same way the shepherds did. Did you notice that? The wise men were not concerned about themselves or even about King Herod. They were concerned about the true king, about the Lord. Worship is a humbling thing. When we truly worship, we see ourselves as we are because we see God as He is. It's not only connected to humility, it's connected to faith and obedience. These men were willing to follow from a far country to a place for a person they had never seen. They saw His star in the east. That was enough for them. Uh, operating on the principle of Isaiah chapter 60 and verse number 3. They just believed God and obeyed God. That's a mark of sincere worship. It doesn't matter how emotionally worked up a person gets. If they're not obeying God, they're not a true worshiper. I wish I had time to discuss this with you, but if you read the entire story in Matthew chapter 2, I think there are seven marks here of sincere worship. There's a hunger for God. Think of the distance they came. They were hungry for God. There was faith. They were operating on faith. There was the use of Scripture. In verse number 5, uh, they, they quote Old Testament passages. So they're using the Word of God. There's no true worship apart from truth. And then there's joy. They rejoice with exceeding great joy. Then there's humility. They fall down to worship. Then there's giving, we'll see that in a moment, the gifts they gave. And then there's transformation, they, they left different. Seven marks of sincere worship. I wonder, are you a true worshiper? You remember Jesus would say in John chapter 4 that the Father seeketh such to worship Him. True worshipers. And then there's not only in this passage sincere worship, there's also selfish worship. That's typified in Herod. Do you remember what King Herod said? Uh, The Bible says in verse 8, He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child, and when you found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. He uses the same two words, worship him. Uh, But the interesting thing in Herod's instance was he really wasn't interested in the Lord's good. He was interested in his own good. He was interested in his own pleasure and his own profit, not the pleasure and profit of Almighty God. Uh, True worshipers understand it's not about them. For Herod, his worship was really all about the worship of Herod. It's a picture, I think, of so much worldly worship today, Herodian worship that recognizes itself as king. May I ask you, is Jesus not enough? Is Christ not worthy of our worship? A.W. Tozer said, When our worship reflects the culture around us more than the Christ within us, something is wrong. When you look at much that is called worship today in churches and even in individual Christian lives... I think so much of our worship reflects way too much of the culture around us and not enough of the Christ within us. A contrast, Herod's worship with the worship of the wise men. And you'll see quite a contrast. Because Herod was a taker. These men were givers. These, these wise men didn't worship things. They were willing to give their gold and their frankincense and their myrrh. Herod, on the other hand, was just concerned about what he could gain, what he could get from it and preserving his own legacy instead of giving the Lord the glory that was due to his name. I would point this out to you as well. The wise men didn't worship other people either. You'll notice when they fell down, they didn't worship Joseph and Mary. They worshiped Jesus. And in Scripture, uh, read the book of Revelation, even the angels would not receive worship. They said, worship God. Any man that takes glory to himself is robbing glory from God and is selfish. So we see sincere worship, we see selfish worship, and then we see sacrificial worship. Notice these wise men, when they arrive, they did two things. The Bible says they opened their gifts and they presented their gifts. Verse number 11 of Matthew chapter 2, when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I don't have time to talk to you about the three gifts, but let me just point out those two words. They opened and they presented. They opened meant nothing was hidden. They presented means nothing was held back. May I say to you, that's true worship. When nothing is hidden from God and nothing is held back from God, we are totally yielded to God. That is the very essence of true worship. It is evidence we have the heart of a worshiper because nothing is kept back from the Lord. You know, the first mention of worship in the Scripture is Genesis chapter 22. And it was connected, even in Genesis 22, to the sacrifice of a son by a father. Do you remember Abram? Uh, They were going up to the mountain to worship. I love that. And when you come to the first mention of worship in the New Testament, it is to worship the son who's being sacrificed by the Heavenly Father. I think the Lord's trying to tell us something here. That the worship is always connected to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Not our sacrifice first. We love Him because He first loved us. Friend, our sacrifice is really no sacrifice compared to Calvary. Matthew not only begins with worship, it ends with worship. When you come to the end of the book, to Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 17, the Bible says of the resurrected Christ, ascending Christ, when they saw Him, they worshiped Him. Could I challenge you to worship God today and to worship Him every day because He is worthy of of our worship the one who came to this world and the one who's come to live inside of us and the one that we're going to live with for all eternity he's worthy of our worship you're going to worship him forever let's get some practice today may the lord help all of us to be true worshipers and offer christian worship to the lord jesus christ every good thing in life and eternity is connected to the Lord Jesus. Visit us at scottpolly.org for more information on knowing Christ and making Him known to others. From the Pauley family and all of us at Enjoying the Journey, we want to wish you and your family God's greatest blessings this Christmas.